0: me to say so i want us to pray together and then i want you to open your bible with me in just a moment our father we do thank thee for this privilege to be here and we declare our need of thee nothing special about us but oh lord you're everything to us everything guide us use us for thy glory. And we'll give you praise for all of it. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we ask. Amen. I'd like you to take the word of God, please, and turn with me to the gospel according to Luke. In Luke chapter 1, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 1. There is one gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. And the Lord has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now think about that. Every creature. That means he wants everyone to hear the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has commanded us to do that. And we're in disobedience to him. We're in disobedience to him if we're not attempting to do that. May God help us. He called disciples to himself when he was on earth and trained them to do just that. And they told others, and they told others, and they told others, and then they told others, and that group told others. Till finally, winding through the centuries, someone told us about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is our responsibility to tell others. That's why we're here. God could take us to heaven immediately after we come to know him as our Savior, but he leaves us here to do his work. And God has left you here to do his work. And I want you to look with me at what the Bible says in the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write. Unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. If you're in the habit of marking things or making notes in your Bible, I want you to note the expression, please. In the very first verse of chapter 1, remember there are four gospel records. Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Luke, and the gospel according to John. But only one gospel. And in this gospel record, the gospel according to Luke, the Bible book of Luke opens with what the whole book is going to be about. If you search through the book of the Bible of Luke, this is what you're going to find. Here it is, a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Now imagine that. So Luke, with pen in hand under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, is writing a declaration, declaring a declaration, no argument, just a declaration declaring the things that are most surely believed among us. And when it comes down to the fourth verse in this opening chapter, the Bible says that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And so I'm going to speak to you just as plainly and quickly as I can on the certainty of our Christian faith. Why the Christian faith? The Bible says the certainty, absolute certainty, no question marks. These are things we know and know for sure. No doubts arising about this. I'm going to give my life to something, and you're going to give your life to something or someone. I've given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. When I became a Christian, Someone took the Bible to explain to me how to know the Lord Jesus as my Savior. As a matter of fact, I was quizzed about whether or not I was a Christian and I believed in God. I even said I believed the Bible. I attended church, but I'd never been born again. I'd never experienced the spiritual birth that the Lord promised. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But I had never had that experience. Never. I could check off a block and say these are things that I believe, but a personal relationship with the Lord I did not have. It's like the man who came to Jesus Christ one night under the cover of darkness. He was a a religious ruler, and the Lord Jesus said to him in John 3, Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. You were born once physically. You must be born again. You must have a spiritual birth. And that spiritual birth doesn't come just from a head knowledge or an intellectual agreement with what the Bible has to say or what someone says to you about Christianity. There's actually a spiritual experience that you have with God. The Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 And you, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. In other words, we were once dead, but God has made us alive. i had never had that happen. But as a young man, someone explained to me the word of God, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And I mean by that, God impressed upon me that what they were saying is true. No one had ever taken the time to explain to me how to know Christ as my personal Savior. I knew about God like people studying history might know about George Washington, the father of America, or they may know some historical character in your country. But I did not know him personally. But that evening, I asked God to forgive my sin, and I invited the Lord Jesus in my life as my personal Savior. And I knew that I trusted Christ and Christ alone to give me eternal life. The Bible says that when we have the eternal one, To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. When we have the eternal one, that's Jesus, he's the eternal one. Let's say that together. Jesus Christ is the eternal one. Would you say that with me? Jesus Christ is the eternal one. He's the eternal one. And when we have the eternal one coming in to live in us, he brings eternal life. And that's what I received. And my life began to be directed by God and with certainty concerning the things of God. I didn't just know that a God exists. He was my God, my Savior. My personal relationship with the Lord began when I came to Christ to trust Him as my Savior. Well, many people were coming to know the Lord in Luke's day, in the first century what we would call Gentile people, some from heathen backgrounds. And Luke wrote this record that we call the gospel according to Luke to give the factual record of the things they were believing. And that's why he uses this language. Listen to it again. He says, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. In other words, I'm telling you in order the things that we most surely believe. And then he comes down to the fourth verse, and I repeat to you, he says, these things that thou mightest know the certainty. My faith is a certain faith. Christianity is a certainty for me. Not a thing I'm guessing about. It's a certainty. And you can have that certainty by knowing Jesus Christ is your personal Savior of all the billions of people in the world and the millions of people in your country, you you can know people who know for certain that they've trusted Christ as Savior and know for certain that they have eternal life and know for certain that they've been born again. Now, I'm going to live my whole life. I'm going to live and die. Someday, I'll take my last breath and soar beyond the stars to be with God. I've lived a wonderful life. I mean by that a blessing from God. But I have not lived in doubt. I've lived in certainty. What are these certainties? What are the certainties about the Christian life? What are the certainties of the Christian life that the Lord Jesus tells us about? I want you to write them down, would you please? And when I'm finished, I'm going to say, do you know them? And You'll notice when we start reading through the gospel according to Luke, it's written to a person. His name is Theophilus. It means a person beloved of God. And the very first subject and certainty that he writes about, the first thing is the miraculous birth of Christ. The miraculous virgin birth of Christ. In chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, "...and it came to pass in those days..." that went out of from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now there are many people who celebrate Christmas and many people who know about the birth of Christ, but they don't understand it is the miraculous virgin birth of Christ that we're certain of. He was born like no other person born. You and I were going through what we call natural birth. God designed human beings so they He could give birth. And the first human beings on earth, God created by direct creation. But only one person ever came into this earth, only one person ever born that was virgin born. And it was the virgin-born son of God. (coughs) And so when Luke begins to write in order, in order, the certainties of the Christian life, he says, you must get certain and know certain the miraculous virgin birth of Christ, that God himself became a man without ceasing to be God. Think of that. The Lord Jesus Christ is no ordinary man. God was robed in flesh. The word we use is incarnate. It means robed in flesh. God actually came to earth in the person of his son, and the Lord Jesus was born of a virgin. When Mary told Joseph that she was expecting a baby, Joseph was alarmed. He wondered, how can she go and have a baby when I know I haven't had anything to do with her. Nothing in a physical relationship. And God revealed to Joseph, even though they were engaged to be married, that he should go ahead and marry Mary, because the birth that Mary was going to have was not something man produced. It was something God and God alone produced. Jesus Christ is the virgin-born Son of God, the only one who's ever come to the world that way. And it's because God came to be with us. He called himself Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the certainty of Christ is a certainty that you can't have about any other human being who ever lived on earth. The certainty of the miraculous virgin birth of Christ. There's a second certainty, and he writes about it also in this gospel record. It's the certainty of the sinless life of Jesus Christ. Think about it. He lived a sinless life. When you get to the fourth chapter of the gospel according to Luke, and you begin to read, you find that Jesus Christ, as a fully grown man now, called out the devil. Think of that. Face to face with the devil. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit, into the wilderness and being 40 days tempted of the devil and so there are three distinct temptations that the devil brought to jesus and those temptations actually included all things men are tempted with and the lord proved his victorious nature over all those temptations not only did he demonstrate that here he demonstrated all through the record of the gospel that he is miraculously born and miraculously lived. He lived a miraculous, sinless life. And the only person who ever did that. Now, holy God, just, righteous God, demands that our sin be paid for. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That means you are a sinner, I am a sinner, and we owe a debt. The debt is death and hell. Separation from God forever. That's the debt we owe. What are we going to do about that? Only Jesus Christ, who never sinned, can pay our sin debt. He didn't owe a debt himself. He owed no debt to sin so he could pay our sin. And the Bible says he became sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Bible teaches us in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah and other places that all our sins were laid on him. That means if you think about your life and every ugly, awful thing you've ever done or ever will do or any other human being in the world has done, God took the sin penalty for the whole world and laid him on Jesus when he became sin for us. He who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so not only was he miraculously born, that's a certainty. The second certainty is he miraculously lived and he lived the sinless life. The only one who ever lived a sinless life on earth. He never sinned. And because he never sinned, he did not owe a sin debt. And because he did not owe a sin debt, he could pay your death. And my death, he could pay the debt you owed and the debt I owed. No one else could do that. No one. All our sin was laid on him, and the billows of God's wrath were rolled on Jesus when he died for our sin. He became sin for us. Willingly, he died for us. So, the certainty of a Christian life, the sure thing that we know is that he was miraculously born. And lived a miraculous life, a sinful life. Then the third thing that Luke writes about in this certainty of the Christian life is that he died on the cross for our sin. He writes the detailed record, the most detailed record in the New Testament of the cross and Jesus' sacrifice for us is given in the gospel according to Luke. I wish I had the time to read all the accounts of it sometime In your leisure, perhaps you can read what the gospel records, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, write about the death of Jesus when he was nailed to the cross. He didn't have to die. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. When he died, he died like no one else ever died. He gave his life. He willed it into God's hands. No one ever was able to do that. You can't do that. We have an appointment to die. Did you know that? The Bible says it's appointed men once to die. But Jesus Christ faced death, not for himself, but for us. He paid our sin debt. And the Bible tells us the record of it that when he died on the cross, he died for our sin. But here is another certainty not only did he die, but his miraculous resurrection. He rose from the dead. Remember, people came to visit his tomb. And when they came to visit his tomb, they got an announcement from the angels who were sent there to make the announcement. They said, he's not here. His body is not here. He died, sure he died, and was buried in a borrowed tomb but he is risen from the dead. We know he was risen. We have the certainty that was risen. And he said to his disciples, when he was teaching them about this, one of the greatest things you'll ever read in the Bible, he said, because I live, you shall live also. Now, my mother has died. My father has died. Grandparents dead. As a matter of fact, there's a death sentence on the whole world. You have it on you. But the great news is there's a miraculous thing for us because the Lord said because he lived after death, you can live after death too. Someday I'll stop breathing. Someday my mind will stop working. I've been in the ministry 55 years. I've given all of my my adult life, all of it to the ministry. I have no regrets about that. I wish I'd given him more. But what's after death? I have the guarantee of the certainty. And you can have the certainty, the certainty, the guarantee, and know for sure that after death, you'll be with the Lord forever if you know him as your savior. That's what the Bible teaches the miraculous resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. When Christ rose from the grave, he spent 40 days with his disciples. Often I've asked, why did he do that? Why? The same writer, Luke, wrote the book of Acts in the Bible. Would you like to turn to that book? In Acts chapter 1, the Bible says, the former treaties have I written have I made O Theophilus of all the, the of Jesus that began to do, both to do and to teach. I wrote before about all Jesus began to do. Now he writes the book of Acts about what he continues to do. Until he says in verse 2 of chapter 1, until the day in which he was taken up after that he threw the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, that's after his death, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You may not understand this. You may have not heard this. Some of you may know it well. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he rose from the grave. But he didn't go immediately back to heaven. He spent 40 days just with his disciples. The resurrected Christ. He even said to them, look into my hands and feet. See the scars. Look where I was crucified. He was risen from the dead. And he wanted them to know it. He spoke with them. He ate with them. He commissioned them. And after 40 days, an amazing thing happened. We have the miraculous ascension of Jesus Christ. We don't hear enough about the Lord's ascension. But the Bible says, and being assembled together in verse 4 of Acts chapter 1, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. And then he goes on to talk about his ascension. And the word of God says, he commissioned them in verse 8, and ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and in the most parts of the earth. Why do you think we're here? Why do you think people would come from Knoxville, Tennessee? Why do you think somebody would spend millions of dollars establishing a school, employ a faculty and train them? Why do you think people would do that and send them here or anywhere else in the world to give the gospel? Because it's obeying the clear command of Jesus Christ. And when the Lord commanded them, the Bible says in verse 10 of Acts chapter 1, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. they seeing Jesus rise up to heaven. He had come from heaven to earth, and he ascends now. In verse 11, of Acts chapter 1 says, Who also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. So we have the miraculous. That's miraculous. Can you imagine standing on a place called the Mount of Olives and watching Jesus like a rocket ascending into heaven? Why? Because the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I could stop right now. You could stop right now and start praying. We have the guarantee that our ascended Christ hears our prayer. And we get strength from him. We get direction from him because of his ascension. He promised to hear us and intercede for us. There's one mediator, not a man, but the man Christ Jesus. And why does God say it that way? Because he became a man without ceasing to be God. Think about it. The man Christ Jesus. We believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Son. We believe in God the Holy Spirit because the Bible teaches that. And they are co-equal, co-existent, eternally existent. And now the Son of God is at the right hand of the Father, ascended on high, where he ever liveth to make intercession for us. These are the certainties of the Christian life. So you can cry out to him, call out to him, and he will hear your prayer. But there's another certainty. He says, This same Jesus, which is taken up from you, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. We have the certainty that the Lord is coming again. I'm looking for and loving the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know someday he's going to come. And God gives us some of the details, not all of them, but some of the details about the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ. He came once, born of a virgin, in humility, humbled, in the form of a baby, held in a mother's arms. But he's coming again. Not as a baby, not for a manger, but to rule and reign upon the earth. He's coming again. And that's a certainty. That's a certainty of the Christian life. And he's coming again. Will you be ready for his coming? Do you know him as your savior? Can I ask you a question that the man asked me years ago? Can I ask you a question that you'd give an honest answer to? I gave an honest answer. I was asked, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you prayed and asked God to forgive your sin because you're a sinner? Have you asked Him to forgive your sin? He can forgive your sin because He died for your sin. He's the only one who can forgive you because He's the only one who died for you. Have you asked Him forgive your sin and invited Jesus to come into your heart and be your savior these certainties of the Christian life the certainty of his virgin birth miraculous the certainty of his miraculous sinful life sinless life sinless sinless never sinned, so he had every right to die for your sin because he didn't have to die for his own The miraculous death. He didn't die like someone being put to death, forced to death. He gave his life on the cross for us. The miraculous work of that, the miraculous work of his ascension. Can you imagine? He ascended back to heaven where he ever lives to make intercession for us. The miraculous work of the promise that he's coming again. If you believe he came once, why I don't believe he's coming again. He said he's coming again. So we have this certainty. These are the things that are most surely, in the language of the Bible, these are the things that are most surely believed among us. Now, I'm living my life. I have traveled to this part of the world. I've accepted the invitation to be in this church today. I'm giving my life to something. I trust it's to the Lord. And to do what God wants me to do. Do you know why? Because He is exactly who He says He is. He says there's coming a day, there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God. When I am certain. About my Christian faith. Certain. You say what about other religions? I'm talking about no other savior. There's only one savior. And he's the Lord Jesus. I'm certain. That he's the savior. And I've given my heart and life to him. And I'm saying to you. Have you given your life to him? Do you have these certainties. In your Christian life. May God help you. When my mother told me she had cancer, the doctor said she's got just months to live. My mother was frightened. She was always frightened about death. The mystery of death was something she couldn't conquer. She just couldn't conquer it. I was very close to my mother Because my mother raised four children by herself without my father. And when my mother knew that she was dying, she let me talk to her about the Lord. She let me talk to her about how to know Jesus as her Savior. And when she allowed that to happen, I said to her just what I've said to you. And I asked her if she would give her heart to Christ would she ask God to forgive her sin and trust the Lord Jesus as her personal Savior? And she did. And I was with her when she died, sitting on the side of the bed with her when she died. And I said, Mother, Mother, we've had a wonderful life. She said, Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And she assured me that she would see me again. And I would see her again because of what we knew to be true about the Lord Jesus. And we've done this work. We established this church. We've trained young people. There's none finer we've ever trained than your pastor and his wife. They're here with their family because they believe in the certainties of the Christian life. They've given all to him. And they've made a wise investment. I'm asking you this day, if you'd say, Lord, I'm convicted of my sin. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive my sin. Come into my life. I trust Christ Jesus alone to be my personal Savior. Let's bow and pray.